1: Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules in beautiful La Quinta, California, and I'm getting ready for the holiday season, and I'm so excited. And talk about the holidays. Next week is Halloween, which is the start of the holiday season, and I always sit outside with my neighbors as these beautiful kids walk up in their great costumes, and we just give out the candy galore. Plus, we do manage to indulge a few pieces ourselves (laughs) and it's pretty fabulous but Halloween has always started the holiday season for me and this year I'm especially excited because truthfully well we've all had a rough couple of years most certainly years that that we have never experienced before it's been different that's for sure but the one thing that occurred from a few tough years is that it really pushed people into looking into the possibility of the law of attraction even more than ever this last week I gave many hypnosis sessions and I absolutely loved it because I got to meet the listeners face to face via zoom it was just so incredible I really loved it so I would like to extend the offer to you my listening audience I would absolutely love to be of service to you. My fees are normally $275 per session. But again, because I'm having so much fun meeting the listeners, I have reduced that rate to just $100 per session for just my listeners. And I record that session for you to listen as many times as you can, which allows your mind to permanently change the mindset and it could be with money love health habits or even motivation so if you're interested contact gina that's g-i-n-a at l-o-a media.com and set up an appointment so that we can meet one-on-one via zoom you know hypnosis really really works And if you're not sure of what it is all about, visit my actual website for hypnotherapy. And it's called creativeguidedimagery.com. And there you'll learn some of my hypnotherapy techniques. And you can be less anxious about it. It's really easy. It's just like laying down and taking a nap and waking up so refreshed and so happy. And it's really quite nice now many people are coming to me and wanting to know did i really create this (laughs) and now everybody is wanting to know how exactly do we change the reality that we're experiencing now that is probably the biggest lesson of all times so these difficult times bring us back to the question Why did I create this? But actually, the better question would be, what exactly did I need to learn from this? Did I really need to learn that I'm stronger than I was before? Did I need to learn how resilient I am? Did I need to find out how What a magnificent creator of solutions I am by creating more ways to be adaptable to these changing times. Oh yeah, (laughs) it's amazing. I need to experience this. Well, this upheaval. This is just part of learning and advancing my humanness. So here's what I've learned. In the law of attraction field, many suggest that you change your thoughts immediately from an issue to the solution. But I tend to disagree. You've got to learn that lesson once and for all so it never comes back again. So sometimes you just got to get into the muck and feel it, not ignore it, but you really got to feel it so that you can let it go permanently thank goodness it's not a pleasant situation i would get stuck in the pleasantness and would never create something different (laughs) i know myself too well remember you are a creator first and foremost and you have to learn from the lesson to become a well-founded manifester you know, manifesting is a big learning process, and it's got to click just perfectly in the mind. So pay attention, and you will absolutely become the manifester that you've always wanted to be. And as a matter of fact, we've got some great show hosts on the Law of Attraction Radio Network that can help you specifically with that. Um, there's a new gal on the network, Solera Star. And I got to tell you, she's fabulous. She's absolutely fabulous. I would really pay attention to her podcast because she is telling you directly how to manifest your dreams. It's excellent. Of course, there's Constance Arnold. There's Dr. Michael Mosley. There's Grandmother Parisha with the quantum leak leap book club which is very very powerful there's dr erica and of course there's me jules so all of these shows are designed to help you get to that place where you can feel powerful to actually manifest what it is that you are wanting you can do this and you've been doing it ever since you were a baby and you manifested that bottle (laughs) there's so much more though that you got to learn and we're here to help you through it so let's take a fast commercial break and then we're going to be right back with a marvelous show from a doctor who has experienced so many cases of life after death with his patients it's an amazing amazing story and i know you're going to love it you're going to find out a lot of great things from a medical perspective on life after death stay tuned we'll be right back (laughs)
0: You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well-being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOARadionetwork.com is heard through 25 different Internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration. At LOARadionetwork.com.
1: Tonight we have on incredible, amazing stories by 26 physicians talking about the miracles that happened to themselves and to their patients. Scott J. Cabalba, M.D., talks about his book that features stories from 26 other physicians in his book called physician's untold stories. Now these doctors experience some amazing miracles through their patients such as near-death experiences or intuitively picking up true health issues that prevented death and even patients who revealed stories that they were told while deep in comas. This is a really tremendous show so I want all who are listening and of course you know there are many around the world in many remote places like ilili nigeria that there are some important things that i want you to know and never to forget so i made a list of 10 things that i thought are important before we get into these amazing stories of 26 physicians I want to tell you about you. First of all, you are a miracle. You outswam millions of others to connect to the life force of your mother. You did that. This is why you, you can safely say to yourself that you are one in a million, or possibly even a trillion. Even if you are a twin. You have your own attributes, your own way of thinking. And believe me, you are absolutely brilliant. Number two, there is a reason and purpose for you to be here. And that purpose is to be fulfilled in this lifetime. It's much easier if you learn to dissolve your anger and sadness at an early age. But even if you don't, just rest assured, By the end of your life, you will have resolved many of the issues that you came here to resolve. You were busier than you thought, especially in the thought department. Number three, you didn't fail at anything. Because each attempt that you tried, you succeeded in learning more about your abilities and, more importantly, moving beyond your limitations remember there is no such thing as failing there is only learning which you will always have the benefit from the knowledge you gain number four one of the most extraordinary things that happened to you is that you fell in love with another human or even an animal there were many more times in your life that you felt loved and admired than not and every time you loved and felt loved you nurture not only you and the loved one but the planet as well that's because your personal vibrational power of love was so powerful that it can and it did heal things around you without you even noticing number five you fell in love with an idea that stayed with you all your life this idea grew and grew and as you aged you still remembered all of those ideas some were good and some were not so good but they were all from your essence it made you who you are today and for that i'm so grateful 6. During your last days on the planet, your mind will wander off. Just remember things. Please remind yourself to find the joy in these memories and discard the memories that create misery because those don't do you any good and they don't do the world any good either. 7. So many days in your life You were so hard on yourself, so demanding, so unforgiving, because quite simply, you just forgot how you are and how much you gave of yourself to your job, your family, to your love, to the world. It's hard to think of gratitude when you overthink your unhappiness. Eight sometimes you literally had to pull yourself up by your shoestrings and sometimes you forgot that you had this amazing ability to see the good in everything especially yourself nine never forget that the world was watching and they were all very impressed by your strength and tenacity to get through a very difficult time. Tim. Even more important, never forget that you were loved by this invisible source of energy. This energy came from the ethers, and perhaps it was those family members that had already passed on, or perhaps it was energy sent to you by others to help you through a trying time. But you need to know that every step you took you were admired, loved and so appreciated for what you contributed to not only your part of the world but to all of mankind. Your divine essence helped all of humanity to move forward. Yes, all the good, the bad and the ugly but especially the beauty that was in you. All formed this perfect world in which we came here to experience and learn. Now let me make this perfectly clear. You are important and you are a gift from God. Please never forget that you are an incredible blessing to God and to us. The best is yet to come. Now I want you to get ready to be uplifted and gain the hope you need. Again, tonight's show is brought to you via the Universal Law of Attraction. The Law of Attraction thinks it's time that you need to hear this. So, I want you to pay attention because tonight is all about hope love and jubilation and you can go to www.physiciansuntoldstories.com to get your copy of this most uplifting book ever now let's listen to these short commercials and then we're going to be right back with dr scott kobaba after these words
0: That's lawofattractionmagazine.net.
1: Welcome back to Law of Attraction Talk Radio with Jules. I am so happy to bring you this show tonight. Scott J. Koboba, MD, is a practicing physician in Wheaton, Illinois, who completed his residency at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. He's a proud Father of seven, with five grandchildren, and I'm delighted that he could join me during his very busy schedule. What he has to share will bring you a hundred times more comfort than any medication that you have ever taken. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio, Dr. Koboba. I so look forward to talking with you.
2: thanks, Jules. It's a great to be here, and I look forward to talking with you too.
1: Well, this is a wonderful and uplifting book that you wrote. And it's perfect timing for the upcoming holidays. Um, It's exactly what we need right now to show us that there's something beyond our 3D world. And I'm so glad that you as a medical doctor have taken the time to write this out and show us some Really good stories. So um, tell us, are these um, undocumented scientific things or miracles that happen, are they seen more and more by the medical profession today?
2: You know, I, I think uh, it's hard to say because, you know, doctors don't like to talk about these things because, <laughs> you know, they're a little embarrassed. These are ordinary doctors that I talk with. And, um, you know, uh, if you went to a doctor and he said, I saw a vision that uh, you were going to need uh, XYZ surgery in the future, you'd think the doctor was a little bit strange. So, doctors don't like to talk about this. And when we got the docs together, uh, they were all surprised about what each of them had experienced. So, I think doctors probably experience a little bit more uh, divine help than than, uh, other people because they're involved with caring and. helping people. And I think, you know, there's someone upstairs, there's a, there's a force, there's a God, uh, whatever you want to call it, that uh, looks after us. And uh, I think uh, he or she helps doctors a little bit more because they're caring for other individuals too.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I see. So what was your first occurrence that made you think that you had something that maybe the whole world should know about?
2: Well, you know, uh, I've had a couple strange experiences. Um, One of the first uh, was probably a call from one of my patients in Louisiana. He was traveling. He travels quite a bit, and he called me from Louisiana. And He said, Dr. Kobaba, I've got this abdominal pain that started after I ate, and it sounded typical for gallbladder. And I said, okay, Taylor, I'd like you to go to the closest emergency room. We'll have him check you out. Uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, get your gallbladder ultrasound, get your blood tests, and we'll see if we need to have, have you admitted or, or whatever. So we went to the local emergency room, and they called me from the emergency room, and they said, you know, everything was, was done. Gallbladder ultrasound, x-rays, uh, labs, everything was perfectly normal, and I'm feeling better, so they sent me out. And I said, okay, Taylor, you know, finish your business and, and uh, come home. When you come home, I'll, I'll take a look at you in the office." So he came home. I looked at him in the office. It sounded like classic gallbladder, right upper quadrant abdominal pain, nausea, um, and uh, just not feeling very well. So I, I got some fancier gallbladder studies, some additional lab work. Everything was perfectly normal. It was really troubling because it's not you know you don't like to have a person with a pain and an undiagnosed uh, condition. So about two or three days later, I woke up in the morning with this strange feeling. I, I had a feeling that he needed a lung scan. Now, that didn't make any sense. This is abdominal pain. Why would he need a lung scan? But I just couldn't get the feeling out of my out of my head. So I called him up, which is unusual. I called him up about 7 o'clock in the morning. I said, Taylor, I I just I didn't tell him I had this dream or a premonition. I just said, I think you need a lung scan. And he said, well, I can't get it today because I'm flying out to Denver this afternoon. I'm going to be, be, be busy and so forth. So I said, you know, I, I really have a strong feeling you need a lung scan. If, if I can get it in this morning, would that be okay? Could you still make the flight? And he said, yeah, I could. I said, well, would you mind if I did that? And there was a long pause at the end of the line. and He finally said, okay. So I called the hospital, and I talked to the radiology people, and I said, you know, can I get a lung scan in this morning? And after they stopped laughing, uh, they said, you know, our lung scans are scheduled out, you know, three days. And I also used the technique of a long pause until the end of the line. And uh, he finally said to me, okay, send him right over. So I called Taylor. I said, Taylor, go over and get a lung scan, you know, as soon as you can. That way, you can get out to Denver as, as this, by this afternoon. So, about an hour and a half later, I get a call from the radiologist, and he says, Nice call. I said, What do you mean by that? And he said, Well, he had a massive pulmonary embolus sitting on his diaphragm. That's why he had Ooh. abdominal pain and not chest pain. I said, Oh, my goodness. And the radiologist said, You know, had he flown out today like he wanted to, he'd probably died oh because my he'd have had other uh, blood clots, very likely. So, I put him right in the hospital, put him in the, in the step down intensive care unit. And we learned that he had a hereditary cl- uh, clotting disorder, so that he's on uh, anticoagulant for life. And uh, that little word or, or thought in the back of my mind literally saved his life. And I thought, this is really strange. I, I wonder if other doctors have similar experiences. Wow. So that was, that was the beginning. That's what really got my attention. And uh, that's, that's what got me on, on the road.
1: Wow, and so you started thinking that um, people need to know that there's more than meets the eye, huh?
2: Exactly, exactly, and and um, you know th- there were a couple other experiences too. After that, doctors started coming to me with some, with, and I don't, I don't know why, but the, uh, the the first occurrence was my friend Dave Mochel, who's an orthopedic surgeon. I was on the floor making rounds, and he ran, literally ran up to me and grabbed me by the arm and said, "I've got this." amazing story to tell you. And I said, okay, tell it to me. He said, well, I can't tell it here. Someone might hear it. <laughs> I said, well, who have you told this story to? And he said, well, no one, just my family. So he said, come, onto the empty, come into this empty patient room. Let, let me tell you this story. And so he told me a story about a mutual patient who had arrested on the, on the operating table. Uh, he had given her some antibiotic, which she evidently had a reaction to, flatlined, no heartbeat, no pulse, no respirations, eyes closed, dead, basically. And they started CPR and when they do CPR in the operating room what they do is they call everyone rushes in from the operating rooms nearby and this one uh, tech with sh- uh, strikingly red hair uh, underneath his, his surgical cap started to do CPR uh, to comp- chest compressions and he was doing chest compressions now Dr. Mochel, who who's in charge of the code because he's the surgeon attending surgeon uh, didn't feel a pulse so he said to the, the guy you're not doing them you know adequately enough step aside let me do it well the guy didn't step aside he asked him again, you know let me, let me, you know, let me do the CPR, and the guy didn't step aside. So, you know, codes are life and death situations. You, you, you're not polite in some of those situations. So he just pushed the guy away, jumped jumped over, and started doing CPR compressions, which were adequate. Perfused her brain, perfused her whole body, uh, and then after some IV medication, she, she woke up, but not to consciousness. She was still unconscious until the next day. So she finally lived. It was determined that it was a reaction to the antibiotic that she was given. But the interesting thing is when she was about ready to go home from the hospital a week later, Dr. Moko walked in and gave her final instructions for the the problem that she had with her ankle, which was the original problem. And she said, thanks for saving my life. And Dr. Moko said, oh, it was a team effort. You know, we all pitch in. And she said, no, no. I saw you thank you for saving my life I saw you jump in and push that guy with the red hair over and he stumbled away and I saw you page Dr Kolbaba uh but he didn't come because he wasn't in the hospital and I saw you look at the door multiple times and he said well how did you do that by this point he's got weak knees and had to sit down and she said when when I arrested I rose up to the top of the to the operating room and I could see everything that happened in addition my grandmother who had been who had died long ago came to me and said it wasn't my time, that I needed to go back and that there would be a place for me, uh, a special place for me in heaven, uh, you, know, you know, if I was good. And so about that point, Dr. Mokul took over and she, she went back. And, um, and Dr. Mokul, by this time, you know, who's a very scientific uh, person, was trying to s- explain it scientifically and really couldn't. And so uh, she went on after that to be the nicest person in the world, lived a few more years, she had multiple medical problems and uh, i couldn't believe how how kind and gentle she was after that episode now when dr Mochel told me that i thought i've got to start writing these things down because there's there's something there's something really going on here that i need to know about and that's when i started asking doctors if they had any stories and i was i was amazed at the number of stories that doctors had some great some moderate some okay and the ones that i used for the book were ones that either gave me goosebumps or or made me cry not that they were sad they just were so emotionally moving And those are the ones I put in the book.
1: You know, there was one story in there, uh, and it had to do with the fishing story. And I thought, wow, that is really, really cool. And still, I think people need to realize that people can hear them while they're in a coma. Could you tell us that story? I think it's absolutely brilliant.
2: Sure. Uh, One of my uh, uh, two doctors, one of the doctors uh, in the hospital had a massive stroke. And uh, he was in a, in a deep coma. No one expected him to live. And uh, he um, uh, was, was in the ICU. And uh, one of my other doctor friends uh, decided he was a good friend. And he was a fishing buddy of his. And so um, he um, came in every day and uh, uh, didn't know what to do. Uh, he knew that he was going to be taken off life support in a couple days. So he knew he was uh, on his last legs. And he wanted to do something. So, um, he, uh, this, is, this is John, John is his name. So, he decided to tell uh, this doctor who was in a coma some stories. And they love fishing, they love to go fishing. And uh, they, had, they told fishing stories to each other uh, almost every morning when they met in the doctor's lounge. So, um, Dr. Messon started to tell him uh, a fishing story about the fishing adventure that they had in uh, Canada where they caught uh, a lot of what are called graylings, and uh, they're a little bit, bit like trout. And it was a, a fascinating story. And every day he'd, he'd tell them uh, a story like this, and he made sure no one else was in the room when he told these stories because he didn't want to, you know, people to think he was crazy. And his wife thought he was crazy for telling stories like this to a person who was essentially dead. <laughs> but... Um, after about three days, uh, he went back uh, to see them in the ICU, and the bed—the bed was was dark. The room was dark. The bed was empty, and he was sad that he, he realized that the, the his his friend had died over the night. So he asked the nurse, "Uh, you know, what when did when did uh, Bob Bob die?" And she kind of laughed, and he said, "You know, he's a little offended by that." And uh, she said, well, "He didn't die. He, he went he woke up yesterday and went downstairs to the uh, the step down unit." So uh, uh, ultimately, when when uh, uh, Dr. Messer caught up with him, uh, he said, you know, you uh, in, in a halting voice because he had a stroke and he couldn't he couldn't speak as clearly as he would like to. He said, Th- "Thank you, thank you for telling me those stories. I love the one about the uh, graylings catching the graylings in Canada. That was your best be- 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 best story in that halting way." And. Um, And John said, you know, you mean you could hear me? He said, absolutely. You were the only person that uh, talked with me. I could hear you clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, John wondered. uh, He was so close to death. You wonder if when a person's that close, you've heard about people, you know, seeing a light that they could go to. And and they realize that, you know, if they cross that line or if they cross the river or cross whatever, they would be gone. And you wonder if if, uh, he was at that point where he had to make a decision whether to stay or go. And if those stories really were instrumental in helping him stay. And I think they were. Uh, And I think he came back because of those stories. And he heard them very clearly. So there is something.
1: There is something. Um, What, as a medical doctor, and you came up with all these stories, you, you met with all these doctors. Yes. How has it changed your life?
2: Well, you know, when you hear these stories about, Really, divine intervention and, and unusual coincidences that that really are not coincidental. Um, you know, it gives you some hope. It, it gives you that you know there's there's hope. I think there's there's hope, and I think for people that are struggling with all kinds of val- various maladies or conditions or psychological problems or medical problems, uh, they need to know that there's something out there. And and the doctors call call this something God. You can call it a force. You can call it a cr- creator whatever you like, but but there's something out there that has your back, that loves you unconditionally, that, that supports you and will look out for you, and that helps you when you are doing a worthwhile cause. That that force, that God, uh, will, will intervene and always, if you're doing something worthwhile, will always help you in, in your efforts through a little coincidence, through all kinds of ways that you won't recognize unless you look for it
1: so do you now believe that in the possibility of life after death
2: absolutely absolutely there are some amazing stories of people coming back uh, and participating in the lives of of those that uh, they love and I think you know love uh, you know when you write a book like this you you never know what the bottom line is you never know what the underlying uh, premise is going to be completely and uh, cuz these are just a whole series of, of of random stories and i think one of the one of the premises is that that love is an incredible force in the universe and i think when people are uh, love each other they will sometimes and, and there's some stories about this in the book come back in in various ways and help those uh, that are are uh, on this earth and it was amazing to hear those stories
1: wow you know coming from a medical doctor this warms my <clears throat> excuse me it warms my heart to hear this from a medical doctor because like you said they are so um pressured not to say anything yes but it's it it's really uplifting to everyone to hear it from the horse's mouth shall we say you know <laughs>
2: yes yeah but I, it's
1: just yeah. like it's reaffirming that wait a minute this isn't something weird this is something that's is very real
2: it's very real it happens routinely as a matter of fact there are a couple of doctors that I I've talked to that ex, that actually count on miracles uh, and and divine intervention in their practice my partner for example John Bourne uh, does a lot of preoperative uh, clearing for uh, patients going to orthopedic surgeries and he always says um, and he had one circumstance where he cleared a person for surgery and then just thought about, it. you know, there, there was something in the back of his head that kept recurring. You've got it. this guy needs a stress test. This guy needs a stress test. And he, you know, at, by this point, he recognizes that, that little voice and doesn't ignore it. Uh, and so he, he did a stress test on the fellow. And sure enough, he had a very abnormal stress test. He went on to have bypass surgery. Had he gone to orthopedic surgery, he might have died on the table. So there are doctors that not only recognize this, but use this as part of their practice. And it's, and and again, they don't, they don't talk about it very much because, you know, uh, it's still a little bit strange to have an ordinary doctor say that I, 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 I pay attention to miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in, in coincidences that are, are more than coincidental. So, uh,
1: yeah, you know, I tend to think that there's a lot of people who enter into the medical schools that are really sensitive or medical intuitives yes and i think that's happening more and more
2: i, I think it is i think it is and i think um, i call these this group of of doctors uh... sappy do-gooders because, <laughs> because you know virtually all of them want to do some good in the world every day they want to cure people they want to do help someone out when they're in trouble. And I think those people tend to be a little more sensitive to things that are beyond this world. Mm.
1: You know, this is so wonderful to talk to you because, you know, we've been talking about pharmaceuticals. We've been talking, you know, about cholesterol. We were talking about the myths and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it to talk to you, it shows that, yeah, you know, doctors... Are really not in it for the money. They're not in it for the pharmaceuticals. They're in it because they want to help people.
2: You know that that really is true. I I learned I I learned a lot about talking to doctors because doctors don't talk to each other about these kind of in-depth uh, discussions. And only when I I I got their stories and it brought out some you know heartfelt emotions were they able to speak you know from their hearts. And my my editor called these doctors the noble doctors. And I don't think it's just a selected group. I think that lots of doctors are like this. Let me give you an example. Andy Rao is a cardiologist. And I was having a conversation with Andy on the floor one day. And I said, You know, we were doing some adoption work. I said, Gee, Andy, there's this little girl in Romania who lives in one of the state orphanages who was wearing plastic shoes and got too close to the space heater when she was cold at night, and the shoes melted on her feet, and now she has deformed feet and can't walk and probably will never be able to be adopted. And about a week later, that uh, was just a, just a quick conversation, just, you know, how's the weather and the, everything like that. And a week later, Andy calls me up and says, we'd like to take her. And I say, well, what do you mean? We'd like to adopt her. I said, well, Andy, you don't know anything about her. You, know, you don't know what diseases she has. You don't know what condition she is. You know, and she's never going to be able to walk unless she has multiple operations. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter. We know how to take care of her. She's a girl in trouble. We'd like to help her out. We have the means to provide operations for her. We can get her walking. If anyone can help her, we can. And that just touched my heart. And, and that's not unusual. You know, many doctors would have done that, that same thing. I, I, was, I was just, uh, you know, it, it brings me to tears even to think about it right now.
1: Wonderful. Now, you had mentioned um, that one of the doctors, when in training, had a fluttering light, either in a dream or during a day when someone on their service was going to die. Yes. Tell us about that.
2: Noemi Sigalov is a, uh, a general surgeon. She was in a general surgical residency, the only girl actually in the, in the residency, and they called her the girl, <laughs> interestingly. <laughs> um, but uh, she, every Every time uh, that there's someone was going to die, she'd get this fluttering light, and uh, she thought it was really strange. And and people around her, and when she'd go into the make rounds in the morning, she'd say to her to her colleagues that were you know at the morning meeting, she'd say I had that fluttering light again. They said, Oh no, who's going to die? And invariably someone would. And she had that enough times. That the uh, the staff dreaded her coming in with that story, because uh, and it would happen anytime. It would happen when she was taking a shower in the morning. It would happen when she got up. It would happen uh, you know at at nighttime when she was going to bed. It would just be a fluttering light off to the side of her vision, uh, and then she she would know that 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 someone was going to die. And you know the service that she was on was a pretty intense. It was in in medical center pretty intensive service people were being shot all the time they were taking care of some really really serious uh, problems so people would die on a regular basis and she could predict it and it was just amazing
1: wow wow that is so neat
2: it is what a great
1: story it is oh my goodness so um now we've talked about love and and Universal energy, and we've talked about how it's helped you or or brought you more into the spiritual level. But did did it actually have that effect on the other doctors as well who provided stories?
2: Yeah, I think they recognized that love uh, was an unbelievable force. Um, let me let me give you a couple examples. Um, there was a, um, a, a doctor. Um, Heitzler is a uh, obst- obstetrician-gynecologist, and uh, his wife was delivering their fifth child. Uh-huh. And um, uh, she, the delivery went, went fine, um, but uh, there were some problems that happened uh, after the delivery. She was having some pain and needed some anesthetic. So, uh, uh, there, you know, in those days, they gave a drug called Trilene, which is administered by a mask, and it puts a, p- puts a person uh, totally uh, asleep, un- unconscious. And so they were about ready to administer the Trilene to, to Joan, his wife, when uh, their um, uh, Joan's grandmother, who was a midwife, walked into the room, and she was dressed in the usual uh, sweater vest and a, a white uh, polka dot, uh, uh, little tiny polka dot dress, old lady shoes, and, and her hair up in the bun. And she stood at the foot of the bed and, and shook her head, no, uh, don't do this. And so Joan pushed the Trilene away, uh, the Trilene mask, and... Uh, it's interesting, Joan and, and her, her grandmother, Grandma O'Hanlon, had a phenomenal relationship. Grandma O'Hanlon lived with Joan's mother for a long time, and uh, Joan would say uh, if ever I got in trouble with my mom, if I made it to my Grandma O'Hanlon's lap, I would be safe. And so that, they had a phenomenal relationship. They loved each other t- uh, tremendously. So Joan pushed the triline mask away. No one realized that Joan had eaten a large meal a few minutes before the delivery, and so. Uh, what happened is that within about a minute of, of pushing that mask away, Joan vomited the entire meal. Had she had the mask on and been unconscious, she might have died from aspiration. Oh, wow! So Joan, uh, you know, uh, said that she finally made it back to Grandma Hanlon's lap again uh, and overcome, and had overcome time and space with their love because Grandma Hanlon had died 22 years before.
1: Oh, wow!
2: That, wow, that one gave you goosebumps.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh my, <laughs> gosh! Um.
2: Love, love conquers all. Uh, it's an amazing force, and I think that's one of the one of the take home lessons from from this book. That you know, again, you don't realize what what significant take home lessons there are. But but that that's one that God loves us. That there's a force out there that loves us and has our back that love between individuals and and family members is the strongest force in the world and it
1: never dies and it never dies it never goes into another parallel universe now did other doctors experience visions of someone that is past
2: um yes yes um there um uh, let me just think of a good one um uh Dr. Sigaloff, uh... again, uh, who um, uh, had—I think she was pretty—seemed to be pretty close to the to the other side uh, much of the time. It was a general surgeon. She operated on uh, uh, a number of people, and one of the people she operated on uh, was a, a missionary from uh, Africa. They were doctors, doctor missionaries, and every time they would be in the office, they would—they would—you know—they uh, would encourage her to to read the scriptures to get closer to God. And uh, and they and and the and the, the, the fellow uh, who was a doctor said to her, you know, someday, <clears throat> someday I'll show you that there is life beyond this life. I'll 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 uh, uh, you'll know. Uh, and she thought that was nice, and you know, uh, went on her way. And then um, one morning she was making rounds, uh, really early in the morning, because she was flying off to Tucson uh, that day. And uh, as she entered the hospital she had a vision of this uh, individual, this missionary, uh, uh, this male missionary and um, she uh, stopped in her tracks and, and just said hello and, and uh, it was so surprising that she said hello that she uh, realized what, what had happened and looked around to see if anyone had seen her and, and no one had seen her. It was too early in the morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning and then the vision was gone. She went, made her rounds, went on to Tucson, shut off her pager, uh, everything because, you know, it's nice to be away from everything when you're on vacation. And the way back in the airport, uh, she turned back her her pager on. She turned all the the electronics back on and and read her emails. And one of the emails said, uh, we're were, uh, sorry to report that uh, Dr. Johnson, who was the fellow that uh, had appeared to her, had died the day that she saw him appear she realized that uh, this was the crowning missionary moment of his life, and it turned her uh, life around spiritually also.
1: Wow. <laughs> amazing. There's
2: some amazing stories. I, I...
1: I love them. Oh, wow. It's, it's like I said, it's beyond uplifting. It's like, okay, it's really giving you hope. That it's not everything that you're seeing in this day-to-day world. It's there's something way beyond it, yeah. and you you are bringing it to us, and I so appreciate it. Now you had a near accident in Iowa. Yes, tell us about that.
2: We were in the mana colonies and sightseeing. I think I can't remember exactly what the purpose was, but I think we we're just having fun, mm-hmm. and we were driving down this country road pretty fast. We were probably going 60 and and. Uh, there was a car behind us that was going like crazy. They, just, they passed us up, and um, off in the distance, I could see a farmer with his uh, hay rack going ac- uh, and his tractor going across the road, perpendicular to where we were, and have- was starting to cross the road, and I thought, oh no, this person's going to smash into the farmer. And so we put on our brakes, they put on our brakes, and we, we were about two inches away from, from that person, and there was an embankment that went down just off to the. There was no. There was no shoulder in the road. The embankment went down about 20 feet. It was very steep. So all of a sudden, when that happened, when I saw the farmer, things started to move in slow motion. It was really strange, and I could keep our car about two inches from the car that was passing us, and about two or three feet from from the embankment. And I could I could I could maneuver the car, and it was so easy. To, to steer and to know what to do because everything was moving in such slow motion that I, I couldn't believe it. Ultimately, when we got to the farmer, we, we weren't able to slow down enough. The person next to me hit the farmer and we were able to go around the tractor uh, without any problem at all and we were untouched and unhurt. The farmer was hurt badly, the people in the car were hurt badly, but uh, we were totally untouched. And It was a strange experience and after we got out of it, the slow motion went away and uh, uh, it it was really it was it was life-saving
1: how do you explain that because you know when i was a a a little girl i was at the beach and and i was walking on some rocks and i fell and i fell in slow motion before i hit the bottom
2: and and maybe that happens to other people i don't know
1: so, how do you, do you? Is there an explanation for that?
2: I don't know if there is a scientific explanation for that. Uh, I think uh, the only explanation that I could come up with is some there was some something that was helping me to not have an accident, and something that obviously was helping you to know how to fall or where to fall. And uh, I think that may happen to others. Uh, uh, you know, th- th- that's just a little divine intervention, I think, or or. Uh, uh, some force is, is uh, looking out for us. Again, this this love, uh, I think is is part of it.
1: Exactly. It it's really something that you brought that up. So yeah, I, and I wasn't hurt when I fell. I could have been because I was landing on rocks. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really incredible. I appreciate you bringing that up. It just gave me an aha moment. So these stories you're right.
2: do. These stories do. I've had many patients say. Oh yeah, that that was more than a coincidence. I realized now, you know, after you tell me these stories, I realize some of the things in my life really were not coincidental at all. And it, it's 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 fun to hear that that comment.
1: Yes. So when people read this book, they're getting aha moments in their own lives. That's awakening them.
2: Yeah, I I had one fellow, uh, one one of the patients now. You know, I love to tell these stories in, in, my, in my examining rooms, and I'm usually, bu- you know, get behind uh, in, in my schedule, but it, it's still worth it. And and one of the patients uh, told me about an occurrence that happened to him. He thought it was a total coincidence, and after I told him a couple of stories, he said, no, I don't think that's a coincidence anymore. He was um, looking for an apartment for his daughter who had an internship in New York City, and it was a three-month internship, and, and they, you know, they were not very well off, and so... It it turned out that she couldn't afford any apartments that were in the center of New York City. They're very expensive. So she was going to have to give up the internship. Well, that night my patient had a dream. He dreamed about a person that he'd known a long time ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, that hadn't hadn't been seen, hadn't talked to for that length of time. And uh, it was a strange kind of a dream, but you know, he dismissed it when he woke up. And the next morning he got a phone call. And who was it? The person he hadn't talked to for 10 or 15 years. He happened to be living in New York City, uh, and he said, you know, uh, I've been, I have been—I just wanted to call you. I had a, I, I had a uh, thought that I needed to call you today. I wanted to tell you about my life. I've been very successful. I've made a lot of money. I'm now retired. I live in the middle of New York City. I have a three-bedroom apartment. I'm all alone and very lonely. And the fellow, my patient, said, well, you know, my daughter's looking for a, an apartment in New York. Do you think you could put her up? Oh, I'd love to. If you ever give me a call, she can have a bedroom of her own. I'll feed her. We'll have a grand time. I'll show her around. And sure enough, it, he, he did. And it was, it, it was an amazing experience. And he thought, you know, I thought this was a coincidence. But after listening to you, this is not a coincidence at all. This was something that this was, again, that force, that God that uh, was looking out for me and my, and, my, uh, and my daughter.
1: So it is true that something out there has got your back, if only you can trust and keep your eyes open.
2: Exactly. If only you believe and and believe in something, that's something out there. In- invariably, when you're involved, with doing something worthwhile. Uh, that force, that God will will intervene and and help you in in your efforts.
1: You know, um, I, a lot of people out there in the world scoff at the law of attraction, but one of the things that I really love about it, and the philosophy behind it, and the universal power is the fact that it tends to make people open their eyes to see occurrences that might not they might not have normally noticed. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, it opens up another world to them, as well as what you are saying within this book. It's opening up our 3D dimensional world where we're living into other dimensions where we can just finally see through those cracks that yes. yeah, yeah, there's something there. Mm-hmm. There's something beyond this and it's wonderful. We all we have to do is kinda open our eyes.
2: And and that's true. And and that's what I was hoping that people would realize that you know there's so many doctors that have these amazing experiences. And when people believe, when people believe there's something else out there I think they become kinder people. They become gentler people. They they try to help other people out. I think it helps all of us. And I was hoping in this secular world that this book would help people realize that if, they're, if they if they if they if they believe in something else, it's going to be a better world. There's going to be less conflict, less uh, hate. And uh, I think I, you know I'm 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 very hopeful that that uh, when people realize there's there's a God out there, there's a force out there that that's got their back. There'll be better people for it.
1: Mm, this is so wonderful. And it's so timely, too, because, you know, the holidays are really tough with people who have already passed. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of loneliness going on. Yes. And I think that the timing of this book is so wonderful that if someone really wants to be inspired and know that their loved one is right there with them, they just need to pick up this book, purchase this book, and read it for yourself because it's, it's going to open your eyes even more.
2: I had an interesting experience, uh, Jules, uh, before I got into writing the book, and this is one of the other things that, that got me into writing the book, and, and that is an experience I had in, on a vacation. Now I have seven children. I'm not sure where they all came from, but I've got seven children. I love- oh, wait a minute! You're a doctor.
1: You don't know where they came from.
2: Okay. I love I love them all dearly. And one of the one of the things that I love to do the most uh, in in if anything I do is is go on vacation because uh, most of the all virtually all the kids and their grandkids, uh, my grandkids, tend to come along on those vacations. I remember a very special uh, vacation we had in Cape Cod. That's one of our favorite places to go to is Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And, uh, it, you know, you had to, it was such a perfect evening. You had to pinch yourself uh, because it was such a phenomenal evening. And we, when we're on vacation, we like to get things that, that you normally wouldn't eat. So we got swordfish steaks, and we got corn on the cob, and we got uh, bread and potatoes. And when we were checking out, you now the boys, the boys on vacation like to cook. So the boys were cooking. And uh, we, uh, when we went to the store, we saw a whole bunch of pies. Uh, there's a whole stack of cherry pies, and we bought four of them because we have, you know, a ton of people on vacation with us. And uh, we, we got to talking about uh, the pies, the pies we'd liked in the past, and we got to talking about my mother, who uh, made a rhubarb pie because we had a huge rhubarb plant in the back of our yard, and every fall mm. she would cut all the stalks off and make this most incredible, very sweet rhubarb pie.
1: Oh, I love rhubarb pie. Oh, I do
2: too. Ooh. And when we would go go to visit her with my kids, we'd all sneak into the kitchen with our spoons and we'd go after the pie, you know, right in the pot, <laughs> right in the pan. And uh, that was so much fun. And and uh, since she's passed, you know, I haven't had any rhubarb pie. And and uh, and that evening and on vacation, it was such a special evening. The kids were, you know, chasing in the yard. The girls were laughing. The boys were cooking and talking and telling jokes. And it was just an incredible evening. And I. I, I kept thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if, if people on the other side still participate in our lives. I wonder if my mother would love to have, and even I like this, to see the whole family there, everyone getting along, and just a, a beautiful uh, sunset. And, and uh, so we ate, we ate the dinner. We had the, uh, then my, my wife served the pie afterwards, the cherry pie. And I put my fork into the pie and put it in my mouth, and I got goosebumps up and down my back because the pie wasn't cherry. It was rhubarb.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Goodness. Now you can make lots of excuses, you know, and say that maybe you know, in the factory or the bakery where they where they package the pies, they put the rhubarb in with the cherry. But I've never seen very many rhubarb pies uh, that you can buy in no. stores. And no. so when I, uh, my thinking on this on this occurrence was that my mother was there. She mm. she wanted to tell us that she was there in a subtle way, and she was enjoying the family, and the family times.
1: Oh, how wonderful. This is such a wonderful, wonderful book. Physicians' Untold Stories, Miraculous experience. Doctors Are Hesitant to Share with Their Patients or Anyone. You know, my hope is that more and more doctors will feel it commonplace to reveal the things that you are telling us. That's my hope, anyway. I
2: agree. I agree. And that's, again, one of the purposes of the book, so that you know people will feel more comfortable about sharing their, their spiritual feelings with their doctors. Because doctors, you know, even though they don't tell about these kinds of stories to most people, uh, know that there is something else out there in, in most cases, that there are miracles, that, that uh, there are strange occurrences, and that you know sometimes uh, healing takes place without medicine and uh, with faith and so uh, i i'm hoping that doctors will will realize that and and many many already do
1: uh uh yeah the whole world is awakening up uh your website is physician, com. people can go there and purchase a book or they can purchase a book on amazon kindle or barnes and nobles or or wherever is this electronic, or
2: it's electronic uh, in most of the uh, 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 publishers. But as far as Amazon, they can get a, a, a soft cover a copy through Amazon and also through Kindle uh, through Amazon too.
1: Okay, you know, my suggestion to all the listeners out there: if you know someone who is experiencing a very lonely holiday because somebody has passed over this would be a phenomenal gift that you can give them hope and and just the fact that it's coming from a, a medical doctor is enough to make you stand up and pay attention and I think this it will help the person to heal so it's a great Christmas gift and Dr. Kaboba, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and and sharing this with us this is just phenomenal it, it's just been an absolute delight it, to talk to
2: it's you it's been fun jules i love to talk about this book because i i think it's got a message that that uh, of hope that people need 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 to to, to hear and, uh,
1: especially uh, now yeah. are you going to be writing another one
2: you know um i I'd like to write another one about nurses and allied health health personnel because they've had as many uh, goose bumpy experiences the doc, as the doctors have had. And I've had a number of nurses come up to me and say, you know, I've got this experience. Let me tell you about it. And there are some incredible experiences. So that's, that's the next book. I haven't started it yet, but that will be the next book.
1: So you just kind of gather them up and then... They tell their stories? Yeah. Is that how you do it? Yeah.
2: It, when, I, when I interviewed the doctors, I would uh, hang out in the doctor's lounge in, the, in, the, in our hospital, which has all kinds of wonderful things that the doctors are attracted to, like donuts and candy and, <laughs> and uh, coffee and, you know, the, the good things that doctors like to eat. And uh, I, I'd pounce on every, you know, everyone that come, came through and I'd say, you know, I'm writing this book. Do you have a story for me? And sometimes they wouldn't understand what, what it was, so I told them a story uh, in, in many cases, and, and then they would realize what I was talking about. And, and, and if they knew a story, they'd, they'd know it right away. If they had a story, they they knew it, they knew it and they could tell me. And then I would you know, follow up with multiple phone calls later on. But that's pretty much how I did it, and that's what's happened with the nurses too. I, I uh, bump into nurses here and there, and, and they'll come up to me and say, I've, I've got this story for you. I, I, I read your book, and I'd, I'd like to tell you about my story. And there's some phenomenal stories.
1: You know, this just seems like it's going to affect the medical profession. Um, If the doctors all become more spiritually oriented and more connected to the people, rather than just objects or diseases to cure, then a whole new world is going to open up. I think it will. For everybody.
2: I think it will. I think you're right.
1: This is phenomenal. Oh wow! Well, keep up the good work. I just, I'm just delighted. And when you write that other book, please come back on and let's talk about it. And um, I'm, I'm anxious to hear it.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Jules. It's been wonderful talking with you.
1: It's been wonderful talking with you too. And I, again, I want to remind people: Physicians' Untold Stories available on Amazon Kindle. And Barnes and Nobles, um, or go to his website www phys, physicians, physicians with, <laughs> with an s. Yeah, I wanted to make sure, and I'll put that on the link also when um, on my host page, so that people will can go there to get the link. Um, fantastic! Thank you again, Dr. Kaboba. Thanks, Jules. And to all my wonderful listeners, have a great week. And don't forget to ask the universe for a sign.
0: Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com. And have a great week.